This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join the other brethren in welcoming everybody here this morning. <clears throat> I appreciate your participation in the services so far and definitely appreciate the prayers on my behalf. And it's my prayer that the things that we study this morning will first and foremost be in strict accordance to God's Word. And also it will be useful to you and beneficial as we continue our Christian walk together. For a little while this morning I want to talk about is Christ really first in your life? And I want to emphasize that word really. Because a lot of times we talk about putting Christ first in our life and that He's our number one priority. But I want to really ask the question, is He really first? We're going to start off with looking back at the very first commandment which Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 30. In verse 29 it says, And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. When we think back about the life of Christ and everything that He did for us, living the perfect example, ultimately giving that life on the cross for us for our sins, and being raised up the third day so that we can have the hope of returning home with Him in heaven, we think about everything that He did for us. It's a relatively light thing for Him to ask us to put Him first in our life, isn't it? It's really not that big of a deal from, from compared to everything that He did for us. So I want to look at, is Christ really being first? You know, sometimes this is a little easier said than done. And I want to look at some really applicable ways to make sure that He is first in our life. He is our number one priority, and we're truly living for Him as we're called to do as Christians. So for a little while today, I want us all to ask ourselves, is Christ really first in our life, and do we really give Him our best efforts? So the first thing we're going to look at is the importance of putting Christ first. Why? Why does Christ want us to put Him first in our life? Well, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What Jesus was talking about, He was talking to all these people that were getting so caught up and making sure that they had these physical needs that, that you have to have in life. What Jesus reminded him is God knows that we have physical needs. He knows that we need these certain things to get by in life. And He's not going to let any one of us go by without something that we need. And what He expects us to do is to seek Him first, His righteousness, seek His kingdom, how we can serve them, and we'll have everything that we need. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, no, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I put on there the strong uh, reference of what mammon actually means. It's earthly wealth or riches when you look it up. So Jesus is telling us that we can't have these two masters. We're either going to follow after God and what He wants us to do, or we're going to follow after these earthly wealth and riches, or, or mammon, as the Bible teaches. So it says that we're going to have to pick one. When we think about it, sometimes we think, well, we can focus on worldly gain and worldly possessions and all that, and we can focus on serving God when the time comes. But when push comes to shove, and you have a tough decision to make, it's really time for us to make that decision. Are you going to follow God, or are you going to follow your own worldly desires and those self-interest and, and follow after the mammon? <clears throat> 
Also in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, If any man comes to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. I underline that word hate there to really emphasize that. When we think about the teachings of Christ, this seems really ironic that he would say, well, why, why would he tell us to hate our family and even hate herself? Well, that word hate, when you really look it up, just means to love less. So it's not hate is what we tend to use the word hate today. So what he's saying is that any man comes to me and does not love less his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and even his own self, he cannot be my disciple. What, what Christ is really teaching us here is he is priority. We love Him more than everybody else. So we love Him greater and love everything else less. And if you're not, then we cannot be His disciple. So the importance of following Christ and putting Him first is that we can't serve two masters. We're either going to follow God or we're going to follow earthly riches. We can't choose to love our family and our friends and even our own self above Him because then we can't be His disciple. And we truly have to focus on His, on his kingdom and His righteousness and we know that we'll have everything that we need here on earth. So Jesus fully expects to be number one in our life. And remember, when we think about everything that He did for us first, this is a light thing that He's asking for us, is to be number one in our life. And what I really want to emphasize is there is only one number one. There's only one. So Jesus is either going to be number one in your life, or He's not. It's pretty black and white. So what are some things that we tend to put in the way? If we don't put Jesus as the actually number one in our life, what are some things that we put in our way? Well, we have an example. Jesus taught about it in the parable of the feast. Luke chapter 14, verse 16 through 24. It says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time, and said to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they, with all, they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto thy servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. The parable that Jesus is teaching is this. You have these men that were invited to this great feast. And the great feast is the kingdom that God has for all of us. And He invites all these people in. And some men choose to make excuses. I want to really look in at these excuses that these, these men made. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. When you think about the piece of ground, what that really represents is worldly possessions. I have worldly possessions or I have these things of this world that I can't go to your feast, your spiritual kingdom and your feast, because I have to go take, take care of these worldly possessions. And he says, I pray thee have me excused. The second one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I must go prove them, or I must go test them to make sure that they're good. What that really represents is our labor here on earth. It's our worldly labor. 
So the five yoke of oxen, when you think back about that time, that, that was their labor. That's how they proved the ground and tested the ground and make sure that they could, could raise crops with the yoke of oxen. And he said, since I've got this job going on, I've got this work I need to do, please excuse me. The, set, the third one says, I've married a wife. And I think we all can see what that, that represents. It's family, right? It's our close friends. It's our family. It's other people that are here on earth. What's interesting to me about this one is he doesn't say, I pray thee have me excused. He just says, I can't come. Well, the other two, they said, I pray thee have me excused. And this one says, you know, I've married a wife, and so I can't make it. Right? So sometimes we have this excuse of, of family or close friends or other people that we can't go do the things that the Lord wants us to do, whatever that is, because of other people. So here we have these three things. And what we know from reading the end of this parable is God doesn't like excuses, does He? I think that was pretty clear. Once God went and asked these people to come and they didn't come, then He said, you know what, forget about them. Don't invite them anymore and go find anybody else you can go find. Go find the blind, the sick, the lame. Go find all those people and invite them in. They'll come. And they did come. And what did the people tell them? They said that we did all that they were commanded, and yet there's still room. There's still room. We can go back to these people who made the excuse and see if they want to come back. And he didn't say do it, did he? He said, nope, you forget about them. I will have my house full. So he goes and he finds other people. So I think it's very clear from this parable that Jesus teaches us that he does not like excuses. And when he expects to be number one, he fully expects to be number one. So that's some of the excuses that we tend to put is our worldly possessions. Sometimes we use the excuse of work. And sometimes we use the excuse of family or friends or other people. So what excuses have you been using lately? If Christ isn't number one in your life, I want you to just reflect for a second. What excuses have you been using? Another thing we have is another parable taught by Jesus in Luke chapter 8. And in verse 7, this is talking about the parable of the sower. So what we know is that Jesus taught that the sower went out and he sold the seed. And there's four different categories of what happened with the seed. Some grew up, some were choked out. In verse 7, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. In verse 14, it explains who those people are. In verse 14, it says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So it's another example of what we have. When it talks about that they have heard the word, so they, the seed was sown in them, they've heard it, and then they go forth. That means that they carried that with them, that they used it. They, they were with it at some point. And then later on, they got choked out with the cares and riches and pleasures of this world. So what that tells us is they did follow after Christ at one point. They followed after his word, and then they turned back to all these worldly things that they have. So the cares and riches and pleasures. So one thing that I thought was really interesting at the very end, and I, I've never caught this until just studying it for this lesson. At the very end, Jesus said, and they bring no fruit to perfection. So I want you to think about the people that they come in, they follow after God, and then they get choked out with the cares and riches. And it's evident that they bring no fruit to perfection. I wonder why Jesus would mention that they don't bring any fruit to completion, that they don't do that. Well, the reason is because they get so caught up with the worldly things, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of the world, that they're not focusing on the spiritual fruit that we're called to focus on as Christians. So it's evident that Christ isn't number one in their life because of the worldly things. 
You know, I think probably the most common excuse that we use, and I'm definitely guilty of using this excuse as well, is the excuse of being too busy. My dad taught me at a really early age the, uh, an analogy of looking at the word too busy. And what it really means is being under Satan's yoke. So anytime you think about we have this certain work that we've got to do, there's things that, that Christ wants us to do. And if you use the excuse too busy, I hope this will be, be in your mind. Of if we say we're too busy, we're really being under Satan's yoke. When we think about that, the excuse of being too busy is really us not keeping our priorities in check. And most likely, that stems from wanting to please someone else or to not let down someone else. And I'm just curious, how would we really change our life and what would our life really look like if we had the mentality that we really want to please our Lord more than anybody else? And our greatest fear is disappointing Him, not disappointing other people. So sometimes the hardest thing that we have here on earth is, is just telling people, no, we can't go do something because we have something else going on. And that something else going on, hopefully, is your spiritual work in your kingdom. So the things that we tend to put before Christ, just to recap them, could be family, could be work, could be leisure, could be your self-interest, or it could, quite frankly, just be entertainment. All of these things tend to creep up in our lives, and we tend to outrank those and put them in front of Christ instead of keeping Christ as the true number one. So the next thing I want to look at is some warning signs that you may not have Christ as first in your life. So some things that would trigger you to, to just stop and reflect for a second. The first thing we want to look at is forgetting the Lord during good times. God had warned Israelites all the way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy that when good times come up, don't forget Him. Don't forget all the great things that He's done for you. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning of verse 10, it says, When thou hast eaten and art full... Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and are full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And then go down to verse 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto his fathers, as it is this day. A warning sign that we have is, quite frankly, just forgetting God during good times. You know, in this life, it's constantly ebbs and flows. We have good times. We have rough times. There's times of great gain. There's times of loss. There's times of a lot of pleasure. There's times that we're distraught. There's a lot of good and bad that come along. What we tend to see, and I think part of it's human nature that we have to fight against, is during the good times, we forget about God. And, and when I say we forget about God, we tend to look more inward and we look at ourselves, of look what I have gained. Look at these things that, that I have you know, built for myself, those type of things. And during the bad times, then we're quick to run back to God and we're quick to ask for prayers and you know, go to Him and find out what we can do to improve. So one of the key warning signs we've got to look out for is when good times are happening, that we don't forget Him. Because He told us there in verse 18, it is He that gives us the power to get wealth. So the good times come from God. We know that all good things come from God. 
We, and we just have to make sure that we remember that. <clears throat> so a warning sign is for us, we make sure we don't get caught up in worldly things and get prideful thinking that we're the one who caused the gain. The second warning sign that we have is inconsistency with attending the services or, the, or studies. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know, we need to make sure that we're attending the services, we're attending studies, not just physically, but also mentally and spiritually. It's not enough just to show up and, and do it like a checkbox like you made it. You do need to show up, but you also need to be engaged, engaged mentally, engaged spiritually, looking at how, how you can really contribute to the services or studies. You need to make sure that, that you're there. So something to ask ourselves, do you really desire to be at worship services or studies with fellow Christians? Or is it more of an inconvenience of something that gets in your way and it's just something that we have to do each week to check off a check, checklist? So that's another warning sign for us, is inconsistency with attending services or studies. The third warning sign that we have is an inconsistent prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing is pretty clear. That means don't stop. You never stop praying in the good times or the bad times. It kind of goes back to make sure we don't forget about the Lord. We pray without ceasing. Don't stop that prayer. Also, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 tells us, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. <clears throat> so how has your prayer life been recently? Is it pretty consistent? Is it at minimum daily, multiple times a day that you're talking to God? You know, as Christians, the number one tool, the tool that we have to talk to our Lord and Savior is prayer. That's our tool that we can communicate with Him. So how has your prayer life been lately? The fourth warning sign that we have is inconsistent self-study. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How often do you study the word of God? Is it consistent or does it also come in ebbs and flows? Is it dependent upon someone else encouraging or, or almost forcing you to study? Or do you desire to study on your own? You know, when we think about His Word, the Word of God that we have, that is how God communicates with us. You know, I think it's pretty common for all of us that we desire to have a relationship with God. We want to have that relationship. When you think about a relationship, all relationships are built on open and honest communication. All of it. So when you think about communication as your tool to strengthen your relationship, I want you to think about two things. The communication that you have with God, you talk to Him through prayer. He talks to you through His Word. If you want to grow your relationship with God, grow your prayer and study life because that's your communication tools to talk with God. That will grow your relationship. <clears throat> the fifth warning sign that we have is not able to give an answer of our hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. If someone came up to you throughout this next week, and they just asked you, Why are you a Christian? 
why do you spend so much time or why are you dedicated and focused to serving God? What has he done for you? Can you give that answer? Are you ready to give an answer of the hope that's within you? If you're not, that might be a warning sign that Christ really isn't number one in your life. So think about these things. There's the different warning signs that we have. And there's much more, but those are just the five that we're going to look at today. So let's say that some of you are thinking this morning, and you may be asking some of these questions to yourself. You may be thinking about how your life has been recently or where your priorities have been. And maybe some of you are thinking that we really need to make some adjustments. There's some things that we need to make some changes to. So the next thing I want to look at is how do we actually set Christ as number one? If he's not number one in your life or hasn't been, hasn't really been that number one priority, then what do we got to do? What's my action steps? Well, let's look at that. The first thing is John 14, verse 21 through 24. Jesus says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's one sent me. What Jesus is really teaching us here is if we're going to be a disciple of his and actually love him, then we will do what he tells us to do. It's as simple as that. Sometimes the hardest things to hear are the most simple. And if you're really going to love Christ and he's really going to be number one, you will do what he's asked you to do. So if you want to set him as number one, focus on that first. It's not enough just to give lip service. We actually have to do His commandments. We have to follow it up with action. You know, some may say that we, we just really don't have the time. There's so much stuff that's going on. This world is always changing, and it's just hard to keep up with all of our daily activities. You know, we have families, we have jobs, we have school, we have all these different things that we have to take care of. There's just not enough time to do all the things that God's commanded. I want to I share a story with you. One day, there was an expert speaking to a group of business students, and he was at a local college, and to drive home a point, he used this illustration. And I'm sure some of you may have heard this before, but hopefully after this, you'll never forget it. As this man stood in front of this group of high-powered overachievers, he said, okay, it's time for a quiz. And then he pulled out a one-gallon wide-mouth mason jar, and he set it on a table in front of him, and then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and he carefully placed each rock inside that mason jar. And when the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks could fit inside, he asked the class, is this jar full? And everyone in the class said, yes, absolutely, it's full. Then he said, really? Then he reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of gravel. And he took that gravel and he dumped some of the gravel into the jar and he kind of shook it around so that the gravel would fall in between the rocks so that he could kind of fill it up and then he asked and said, okay, now, is this jar full? Now, by this time, the class was starting to kind of catch on what he was doing. He said, well, it's probably not full. And he said, all right, good. So he reached onto the table and grabbed another jar, and he brought out a bucket of sand. Started jump, dumping sand into the jar, and he started squeezing it in. He'd shake it around a little bit, get the sand to kind of settle in between the crevices, and he'd go ahead and fill it up. And then he said, okay, is the jar full? 
And now everybody within the class, they knew what he was doing. They said, no, it's not full. I said, all right, once again, good. Then finally he grabbed a, a jar of a pitcher of water. He grabbed, grabbed a pitcher of water and then he started pouring that water in there until it was full up to the brim. And then finally he said, okay, is the jar full? Yes, now it's actually full. So he used this illustration and then he asked this illustration. He said, okay, so what is the point of this? Why do we do this? Well, one eager beaver raised his hand and he said, you know, the point is no matter how full your schedule is, you can always squeeze something else in. No, that's not the point. The point is the truth that the illustration teaches us is that when you put in the big rocks first, everything else will tend to work out the way that it's needed to. So the question is, what are the big rocks in your life? The big rock that we have, and I thought it was interesting, I found this picture. Look at the big rock that's outside that jar. It says religion. Religion and recycling. So whoever put this together, I guess they had that on equal footing. Religion and recycling. You've got play in there, family, friends, work, sleep. You've got all these different things, but they left out religion. If religion is number one, and when I say religion, what I mean is following Christ and doing the things that He wants you to do. If it's actually number one in your life, that's the first rock you put in. So think about these things. If your schedule is too busy, you've got too much stuff going on, and you don't have the time to really put it in, we need to evaluate the big rocks and make sure that we're putting in the true big rock first, which is following after Christ. The next thing you can do to make sure that you set Him as number one is make sure we're not focused on the temporal, we're focused on the eternal. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. A lot of times what, what we tend to put in the way of Christ, we've talked about all the things that we put in. It's our family, it's our work, it's worldly possessions. It's all things that's here below every time. So what Christ really wants us to do is if we're going to keep Him as number one, set your affections, set your sights, set everything you're doing on the eternal, the spiritual, not the physical and the temporal. <clears throat> and finally, I want you to ask yourself, if you haven't had Christ as number one lately, then what you really need to do is start today. We have an example of this, Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 through 31. This is Jesus talking here. He says, But what thank ye? A certain man had two sons. And when he came to the first, he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and he went. And he came to the second son and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. And he went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. They say unto him, The first. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Jesus is teaching us an illustration here. We talked a little bit about that lip service is not enough. We have to follow it up with action. Some of you this morning may have been thinking that your actions have not actually fulfilled what you know you need to do as Christians. Maybe you have told God, I'm going to go work for you. Maybe when you were baptized into Christ and you made that covenant with Him that you're going to be a disciple of His and you're going to follow after those things. And then you kind of reflect upon your life and you might be that first son where said, I'm going to go do it. But then you didn't go. Well, what we really want to be is like that second son and follow after his actions. And the second son is repent today and go do the work. That's what God really wants us. It's not too late to start. Just start today and go do the work.
So I pray that all of you will be more like that second son and go do the work, regardless of what your pastors look like, and not be the first son and just give lip service and then don't follow it up with action. So finally, the last thing I want to look at is when we actually put Christ first, what blessings can we expect to receive? Well, the first blessing that we know that we're going to get when we put Christ first is the promise of eternal life. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul reminds us of this promise that we have. When we set Christ as number one, this blessing and this assurance that we can have through that is we will have this crown of righteousness. We'll have that eternal home with Him in heaven. We'll have all the peace and all the joy and everything that we can possibly imagine with sharing eternity with Him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, but where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus lays it out once again for us. Where our treasure's at is where our heart's going to be. If we truly have Jesus as the number one in our life, then we're laying up treasures in heaven. We're focused on the eternal. We're not focused on the temporal. And make sure that we keep our heart there as well. The second blessing that we have when we truly put Christ as number one is the family that we have through Christ. And that's here and now. Matthew 19, verse 29, it says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Christ is talking about the family that we receive here and now, the church family that you have. I want you to think for just a second. Look around the room and think about all the brothers, all the sisters, all the mothers and fathers that you have just in this room. And now I want you to think about our room, what we have in this congregation, is a very small fragment of the entire kingdom that's all across the world that we have today. So one of the blessings that we have when we truly put Christ first is we have this family in Christ that loves us, they care about us, they want to see us succeed, they want to help us, and they want to do whatever they can to be there for us. So when we truly put Christ first, it tells us there in verse 29, we'll receive a hundredfold and reminds us that we will inherit everlasting life. So if we have to forsake our houses, if we have to forsake our worldly families, if we have to forsake our lands, if we have to forsake anything like that for Christ and for Him, He promises us anything that we forsake, we'll receive a hundredfold. If you talk to any investor, and you tell an investor, if you give me a dollar, I'll give you a hundred, I think they would take it. That's what Christ is expecting of us. If we have to give up anything, we can expect to receive a hundredfold. And that's here and now. The third blessing that we'll talk about is peace in times of trial. John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We know this, this world is not easy. We know that there's lots of challenges. 
There's a lot of heartaches. There's a lot of hard things that we have to face in this world. But when we have Christ as number one, we're seeking Him first in His kingdom, we're going after His righteousness, we will have this peace. And one of the main reasons why we'll have this peace is once again, we'll focus on the eternal, not the temporal. You know, I honestly cannot imagine having to go through this world and having to go through the struggles and challenges of this life and the loss and the failure, the deceit from other people. I can't imagine having to go through that without having the peace that we have through Christ. The peace that we have is one of the greatest blessings that we have in this world. And it all comes from when we truly put Him first. So to recap those blessings that we have, we have the promise of eternal life. We have our family in Christ that's here and now to support us. And we have peace during times of trouble. <clears throat> so I trust by looking at all this, you can truly see the importance of putting Christ first as a main priority in your life. And just to remember, there's only one number one. There's only one first. Christ has given us more than we could possibly ever repay Him. And we should always be constantly to invest our time trying to share that gift with others. Whatever we can do to share that wealth with others. So here's some steps to do this week. The first thing that you want to do is evaluate your current schedule. How much time do you truly have dedicated to God? Or is it more of an afterthought? Number two, what are some habits that you can either start or improve to help your relationship with the Lord? I, I gave you two really good ones earlier. That's prayer and study. There's a lot more things that you can do to grow your relationship with God. What are some habits that you can start? Number three, who do you need to enlist for support? Is it your brothers and sisters in Christ? Is it your personal family? Is it friends? Do you need mentors in your life? Who do you need to enlist as support? Sometimes that's all we need is just a little bit of a helping hand. The first way to make sure that we really have Christ first in our life is truly by obeying His gospel. You know, He died for us, He was buried and was resurrected, and He expects to follow that as an example, and that's what we do during baptism. To crucify our own life, to raise up a new man and be a new man in Him, in Christ. If you truly want to make Christ first in your life and you haven't been baptized in Him, that's step number one. You have to be baptized into Christ to choose to follow after Him all the days of your life. There may be some of you... <clears throat> that you're reflecting upon your own life and, and you're thinking about that you've allowed these distractions of this world to cause you to lose focus. Well, it's time to hit the reset button. Hit the reset button today. Look at some things that you can readjust on your daily activities. And finally, we need to always remember that we're not alone. There may be some of you this morning that are thinking that there's just so much I need to readjust in my schedule, my daily life, my priorities. I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do. There may be some of you in that, that position right now, and I want to encourage you that you're not alone. You have all of us here in this room ready to help you. So enlist the support. Think about who do you need to call upon to help you in your life. We can be that support that you need in order to grow. We can be that support to help you with accountability, with love, with, with guidance, with mentorship, with study, with prayer, whatever you need to get back on track to truly make Christ number one in your life. Remember, it's not about lip service. It's about are you truly going to follow after Him and do the actions or not. There's only one number one. And if Christ hasn't been number one in your life, I encourage you this morning to make some changes. Do whatever it takes to follow after Him because the blessings we receive when we do that is far greater than we could possibly imagine.
If there's anyone here this morning that you'd like to be baptized into Christ and truly make Him the foundation, or if you need to get back on track and you need the prayers or the support of the church, we're ready to help you any way that we can. All we ask is that you let your request be made known. Come have a seat on this front pew as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.